1: Bears Illustrated Podcast, Garrett Ross, Pernay Malapati here with you. What's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm
2: doing pretty well. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, it's it's never a dull moment in the sports world, uh, especially when never. it comes to the transfer portal, when it comes to NIL. It's like it never ends. It, it's a You're waking up to Christmas <laughs> every day for a new glorious gift for the better or the worse. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, dude. So uh, there's a lot of talk out there right now. Obviously, regarding Gary Bohannon, where he's going to land. Um, you have the SEC and the Pac-12 commissioners looking at meeting with Congress uh, regarding the NIL issues and how it's kind of gotten, uh, how they magically knew, didn't see <laughs> That's this just, coming. It's just,
2: it's just so funny to me. The SEC and Pac-12 commissioners are, are going to D.C. to meet with Congress about college football.
1: Pretty unique. Pretty unique world we're in. Um, yeah, so let's, let's start with the transfer portal. Let's start here. So Gary Brohannon obviously enters the transfer portal after losing the, the battle with Blake Shapen. I don't think we were surprised by that by any means. Right. Um, what was going to be interesting were who are the programs that are the right fit for him? Uh, when he entered the portal initially, I believe our two, four, seven sports site and Chris Hummer had. Gary as the number two quarterback in there behind Emory Jones from Florida, I want to say. I think he was the number six overall prospect. Sounds right, yeah. You brought up the good point that you're hearing a lot of smoke coming out about Missouri, more than likely. and Missouri was one of the schools, along with Arizona State, and I believe I had Colorado and Oregon State, in the the article I wrote on BearsIllustrated.com about the possible landing spots, what from right now, the indications you're seeing, are you assuming that it's more than likely going to be Bazoo?
2: Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. Uh, Jerry Gary went and visited them. He, he's been in talks with them. And they're the only school right now that I've heard numerous stories from about how they want him there and how he, he would be a good fit there. Uh, so I I if I had to guess, I would say, yeah, I think Missouri is where he's going to end up. And it's probably the best school for him at this point. Obviously it was very tough for him to lose a starting job at Baylor, especially considering the opportunity that this team's going to have this season. But getting a starting quarterback job on an SEC team is, is certainly not a bad consolation prize whatsoever. No, it's um, not- and I think that And I think he would step in there and probably be the starting quarterback.
1: Well, see, and they're a unique situation because they had a guy in place. Uh, but at the same time, once Spencer Rattler hits her, hit the transfer portal, they were actively getting him once Jaden Daniels hit the transfer portal coming out of Arizona State before he went to LSU. They were actively trying to to court him. Uh so, so I think that JT
2: Daniels, too.
1: Yeah, JT Daniels as well. That's another one out there. So they're obviously in the market. I, I think look, this is a team that went what, six and seven, two three and five last year in the SEC East. Mm-hmm. Um or they finished fourth in the SEC East. It's a unique fit. Um, I think that he could go in there. It's all all, from also a proximity standpoint. If you're looking at him wanting to stay close to home, you know, Missouri's so close right there. I I think it's intriguing. I just, I don't necessarily know what he could, what he's going to bring to that team. I think they're going to need more pieces if Mizzou is the choice. I think they're going to need a lot more help around him because they lost a lot as well, man.
2: Yeah, well I mean they're probably like a 7 and 5 team right now, but I mean Gary Gary Bohan is a really good college quarterback. He would he would be an upgrade. The only two guys they have in their quarterback room right now each only have one one start at the college level and he had he has a lot more than that and he, he's a really good college quarterback. He can run really well and he ha- he doesn't have a bad arm. We've been comparing him to Blake Shapin all off season, so so it sounds like his arm isn't good but it's it's really not bad. He's just a bit inaccurate but I think he could elevate that team to to maybe like an 8 and 4, 9 and 3 type team if he if he plays well and it would also be really good for him in terms of trying to get himself ready to to compete for a spot in the NFL. 'Cause Eli Drinkwitz, their head coach, he he has some background as a quarterback's coach, and, and two of the guys that he coached, both Ryan Finley and Brett Ripion, are in the NFL right now. Or, or Ryan Finley was at least recently. And then their 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 QB's coach is Bush Hamden, who was the quarterback's coach in Washington in twenty nineteen. And he got he got a good amount out of Jacob Easton, more than more than Jacob Easton was able to produce at Georgia. And and Eason's in the NFL right now. Um, and I say, besides Easton, I think Bohannon's probably at least as talented or more more so than Finley and Ripien. So I think it, it could set him up for an NFL job.
1: I think that's interesting that you bring up the, the offensive coordinator situation because I was looking back last year at what they were able to accomplish. And with quarterback Connor Bezelak, he threw for over 2,500 yards and he had 16 touchdowns. So he was able to effectively lead their offense. The biggest problem came... From turnovers, He had 11 interceptions on the year, and I don't care who your quarterback is. I don't care who your offensive line, your skill players are. If you're turning the ball over like that, man, it's going to make winning any damn game difficult.
2: Yeah, 16 to 11 isn't a great touchdown to interception ratio. Um, and, and Gary Bahunin's not going to throw too many more touchdowns than that, but I think he'll turn the ball over a bit less. And then what he has and, and the ability that he has to make plays with his legs Truly to make plays with his legs um, He can Probably produce another Double digit rushing touchdown season
1: That's a good point and That would be interesting to see How how he would be able to run Week in and week out Facing the, the type of talent You're going to get in the on defensive side of the ball In the SEC I think it's definitely going to help If he was to land there playing in the SEC East Compared to the SEC West Because that's just yeah. a different beast uh, but but the first thing, one of the first things that crossed my mind were, if he does land at Bizzou, the matchup with South Carolina. Because you, Spencer Rattler leaves Oklahoma, he lands at South Carolina, and I'm sitting there looking at the schedule. I'm like, when did these two meet? You know, and, and they're going to play October 29th. The game is going to be in Columbia and South Carolina. And I'm like, okay. We got 2.0 here and we got 3.0. That's going to be so funny if you're able to flip on the TV that night and you have two former Big 12 quarterbacks going at it there on the SEC. That's just wild. And that's just where we're at right now, though, man. It's crazy. That's so funny.
2: That's so funny. I didn't even think about that. But it would be cool to watch. And he gets to play Arkansas, too. That's their rivalry game, I think. It's the last game of their season.
1: Being able to go back and play – the signature, the the face program of your home state, I think that that would definitely be a special moment because right? I don't care where any kid comes from, if you're not recruit- – I need to go back and look at Gary's. I'm sure he was recruited by Arkansas. But there's always that – that you see so often where guys from those states, whether it's Louisiana, Texas, whatever, if they don't get looked at by the main school – or they you know they got that little chip on their shoulder but so that would be cool i need yeah, to go back and sure. do some more research on gary's recruitment i don't really remember all the programs that were looking at him but that's definitely another i didn't even think about the the going back and playing arkansas aspect of that
2: yeah it's in missouri this season so he wouldn't get to he wouldn't get to play in arkansas but it's still a big game for him being able to play his hometown team like you said and uh you know you know that his. All his hometown fans, are the all, are the all, all the Arkansas fans will be watching that game. So it'd be it'd be an opportunity for him to put on a show.
1: I think also when you look at the the news that unfolded on Thursday, uh, because like I mentioned earlier, Emory Jones was the the main quarterback in the portal available, right? Like they had two four seven sports, we had him ranked ahead of Gary one and two. Well, on Thursday, Arizona State. And Emory Jones were able to put together a deal. And once that happened, and the deal is, when you look at the the details of the deal, Jones is set to make $75,000 in marketing opportunities through Arizona State. He's also supposed to get a car from what's going to be called, it's Jones Auto Center there in Tempe, uh, that's all coming from Chris Cartman that he covers Arizona State here for 247 Sports. And this is the largest NIL deal that's going to be for Air- that any Arizona State player has received. So with that being said, with that situation unfolding on Thursday, I think it made it almost more of a shoe in or or it definitely increased the possibility of Gary for sure landing at Mizzou. I, I could be wrong, but is, are you seeing the same thing as you getting the same vibe?
2: I am, yeah. I'm getting that same vibe that he's going to end up landing at the zoo. It just seems like everything's falling in place for that to happen. And with Arizona State not being, not looking for a quarterback anymore that that, that eliminates them, that, that takes one more job off the market. And, uh, I mean, it truly is a market,
1: too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a buyer's market for sure. <laughs> That's funny, dude. Uh, yeah, man, so it's wild. It's wild times. And the crazy thing is now, whereas players were hitting the portal before, and, you know, it was really about finding the right fit for your team or, or finding the right fit for your skill set or whatever, The drastic change, man, in the NIL and how that has completely shaped the landscape of college athletics now has got it to the point where not only when guys are hitting the portal, or hell, guys are even getting tampered with. They are on a current roster and getting boosters, reaching out to them for these NIL deals. That's changed the whole vocal point, and I don't know if that's something Gary's going to consider in all this. If he's looking for the best fit, obviously I think you got to be looking in your best interest for can I get an NIL opportunity with that as well?
2: But I'm let's sure, not, I'm sure Missouri's got some available
1: to him. I'm yeah. sure you got it, like, dude. I think that any school right now who's putting together a package, and well, let me reframe that because that's technically what you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to be a school putting together a package. But I think anybody. Who's, who's actively seeking a player definitely has to have that in their mind, right? They have to have a plan in place automatically at this point where you need to seal an NIL deal to go with that player or you're not even going to get considered, are you?
2: No, not when not when you're looking at some of the biggest players in college football because when they see all these other guys getting millions of dollars and, and then others, you got other guys getting hundreds of thousands of dollars, they obviously want a deal of their own. Um it's just becoming such an important part of, of college football. And I, it's becoming a free agent market is what it's becoming.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. It, it, it's definitely college free agency. Um, it, it's, you know, you hear the term all the time, the wild, wild west. Well, this is finally starting to get the attention of some people who might have some pull with it. Maybe the SEC, you can help this. Greg Sanky, you're going to help this. You also got the blessing of the Pac-12 with you. We're going to get into that next here on the Bears Illustrated Podcast. Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated Podcast, man. And let's dive into this. So NIL, like we mentioned prehand, it's getting out of control I think we can all agree on that, and I'm all for players getting paid. Like, dude, and I don't take—I don't blame any player right now who's getting money thrown their way in the large sums, the absurd sums. Dude, if there, if somebody's doing that to you, jump on it. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that, but at the same time, uh, something's got to be done uh, to really rectify, to to hold everybody accountable, to put all this on a play a level playing field. Uh, so. With, with USC Lincoln Riley has gone out to USC um, they've been one of the the headline schools over the past couple of weeks that multiple programs multiple coaching staffs are, are bringing up in these tampering issues uh, with players and most notable is, is coming out of the the receiver from Pitt as of um, so I thought it was funny when the the story comes out that George click how do you say his name Kalooff George Kalooff? That's Sounds right to the, me. All right, George Kalilkoff, the PAC-12 commissioner, along with Greg Sankey. We're going to go to Capitol Hill and meet with Congress on this matter. Now, I'm all for that, but when it was those two at first, I'm like, what kind of twilight zone is this that we're living <laughs> in right now? Well, I mean, did that catch you off guard that those two would be the ones going?
2: Well, that it was... Those two doing it together. Yeah. Like like okay, for for okay, so Yeah, you're coming from two completely different areas of the country, two completely different college football um situations. The SEC is it's the the alpha dog in college football. They they run college football right now and any any um any loss that the NCAA has power wise is good for the SEC. The Pac-12 on the other hand is on the complete opposite end. They're probably the the least of the power five conferences football wise and they just don't have they don't have that much say because they don't I mean maybe now with Luke and Riley coming over to USC their their blue blood stepping back up they'll there'll be more for them to to say and for them to for for other people to listen to them about but it is interesting that you have these two conferences going, going over to Congress. And I mean, the fact that they're going to Congress just tells you how, how insane this issue is. Is it college, college football is turning into a professional league, but tampering like what we saw with USC. I I mean, we don't know for sure yet, but it seems like USC is going to get Jordan Addison for like $3 million. And he was on pit. He hadn't entered. He hadn't entered the transfer portal. Tampering is not something you can even do in professional sports. So this is obviously just getting. It's getting way too extreme, and there have to be measures taken. Um, I don't know if Congress is who should be taking those measures, but nothing else is working.
1: Yeah. See, this is where to me I I, I never am a big. Fan of sports issues, I guess you could say, getting involved in the political system. It, to me, it's just such an egregious waste of time and money. Um, yeah. and I feel like that's where you really need your leadership, your people in charge, Mark Emmert to step up and take control of this. Because to me, it, it's a cop-out. It's an easy way for you to deflect handling a situation and put it off on somebody else to make the hard decisions. And I think that's one thing that Mark Emmert and the NCAA have notoriously done on a consistent <coughs> basis throughout his tenure. And, and, I mean, it's it's you'll see egregious acts out there that never get brought up. they I mean, they'll get talked about, right? But they never get truly handled. Yet on two days later, after a big topic, you know, reaches the light of day, they're given a slap on the wrist or, or, you know, taking it out on some other school for some minor detail. There's no consistency in it. But when the big issues like this hit the table, man, they're nowhere to be found. Do you think this all, I mean, this to me definitely has something to do with, I feel like there's, this has been, a festering wound that has just opened up and Mark Emmert and them they forced him out. Like there's no way that you can see all of this coming together and timing the way it did with Emmert saying, I'm stepping down uh, in the near future.
2: Well, here's the thing. I, at this point, I don't know how much there is that the NCAA can even do to stop what's going on because schools clearly don't really care what they have to say. They don't care about the potential sanctions that the NCAA can can place on them and I don't know if replacing Mark Emmert with a different commissioner or different leader of college sports is going to change that because there were there were already so many things happening under the table and now with Nil stuff is happening over the table. But people are going back under the table because there's other things that they want to do that NIL doesn't allow. Like, like, NIL is basically... The the Supreme Court said that it's illegal to, to prevent college athletes from getting sponsorships from outside companies. Um, but that's completely different from boosters paying athletes to come to that college or for the colleges facilitating payments to athletes, which is what we're seeing happen. And the NCAA can't do anything about it because colleges don't care what they think. And I think, see, I'm usually against the federal government stepping in and trying to regulate things that they don't know much about. And Mm -hmm. the people in Congress are not experts on college football. No. They don't know nearly as much about what's going on on a day-to-day basis and the ins and outs of the college football industry as the NCAA does or as the conferences do. But they have one thing that the NCAA doesn't have, and that's that's power. They can they can do so much more than what the NCAA can do. And there's always gonna be stuff happening under the table. But at least Congress can provide some kind of consistency. And if if they make some kind of rule, I'm pretty sure that colleges be more more hesitant to break them just because there's so much more that could happen if they do break them.
1: I, I, look, I'm going, so I'm about to read this quote uh, from Senator Marsha Blackburn. Uh, this is from Ross Dellinger from sports illustrated. And uh, this is regarding the meetings today. And, and this quote just to me is saying, essentially they have no, they're tired of dealing with this as well. Like they feel like the NCAA and Mark Emmert need to clean house and rectify and, cl- and take care of their own business. So here's the quote from uh, Senator Blackburn. It says, For far too long, the NCAA has refused to allow student-athletes to benefit from the use of their name, image, and likeness. NCAA President Mark Emmert's resignation is one of many necessary structural changes that will enable the NCAA to support our student-athletes. During the meeting with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and others today, I continue to push for the accountability and fairness measures of our student-athletes deserve. What do you make of that statement?
2: Can you repeat
1: the last couple of sentences again? The last couple of sentences. uh, During my meeting with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey and others today, I continue to push for accountability and fairness measures for the accountability and fairness measures our student athletes deserve.
2: That just sounds so hollow to me. Like, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. I don't think she's like, but again, like, like I said, She's not an expert on college football. She doesn't know how to make these things work. Um, it's – I think she's saying that she cares, but, like, she's kind of implying that
1: – It's not her she mess?
2: Hopes, she hopes it's all good, but it's not her mess, exactly.
1: Yeah, that's the thing to me. Look, here's the deal. I don't think we would be to this point if we were seeing situations like – Um, So I saw a story on Thursday. There was a player from Boston College. He's a DB. He's a senior. And he's saying that he turned down two six-figure NIL opportunities, booster opportunities from two different schools to stay at Boston College. Then you see the situation where the University of Texas is openly trying to put together a $3 million NIL deal to snatch a player from Cincinnati, that's the damn yeah. problem. You you're you're blatantly stealing buying players from people's rosters and from people's schools. Yeah. Like, dude, that's not where we're. That's not nil.
2: This <laughs> not nil.
1: And if it's... you're not doing that crap, we're not here. Like, we're we're not already at like, dude. We shouldn't already be at Congress. A few months into this,
2: exactly. but That's the issue. They, these schools have no respect for the NCAA or whatever the NCAA can do, and they know that the NCAA is not going to put its toughest sanctions on the biggest brands. Like, there's a reason they went after Oklahoma State and not Kansas yeah. for the basketball stuff. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to. They're not, The NCAA has already shown that it's not willing to sacrifice its biggest brands, which bring which bring in the most revenue. So. Of course, they're not scared, which is why it it might it might be important for Congress to at least bring some consistency. Yeah, cool.
1: but I I, <laughs> I just I don't trust Congress to be consistent on anything on or, any or like,
2: I mean, I think the better thing to do would be to set up an agency like they do for so many other industries. Just set up an agency to work with the NCAA and just just so that you have those additional sanctions and that that extra respect that colleges will have for the rules.
1: That's fair. I also think that the NCAA has an opportunity to get out in front of this. And like Mark Emmert can step out right now and do like one last final hoorah before he's out the door and say, you know what, if you are, if we can prove you are actively tampering with players in the transfer or from other schools trying to get them to transfer you are permanently banned from getting any players in the transfer portal or even
2: yeah or maybe not permanently but like for for a certain period of time
1: if you want to make a statement make it permanent
2: (laughs) i don't know i don't know if that would be the way to go (laughs) I mean, maybe like a three strike rule or something, but <laughs> you no, could. But I, 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 I just feel like everybody will abuse. That. I like what I like what you're saying, though. You have to put your foot down somehow.
1: Yeah, but I feel like, like going back to your Kansas statement, though, because that's the that is the one of the most blatant atrocities in all of this. <laughs> is you don't want? They don't want to punish the the bread and butter Blue Bloods right? Like they don't want to go punish USC football when they're finally starting to be relevant or in the media and circuit. We don't know what they're going to be relevant on the field yet. I'm sure they will, but you know what I'm saying? Like you, you don't want yeah. to go attack USC football when they're on the rise. We, we can't go touch Alabama or Ohio state, but Hey, let Nebraska yeah. do I mean, something like
2: in a, in a vacuum Jordan Addison going from Pitt to USC is going to bring more money to college football. The NCAA is going to make more money yeah. for that. And there's, there's never going to be parity in college football, but, You don't want to, like, just blatantly eliminate any kind of parity. Like, at this point, you're going to turn any school that's not a top 15 brand into a mid-major. Right. That's the way this is going.
1: That's a good point. You know what? Let's get somebody else's perspective on this matter, as well as some of the other topics going on regarding the Baylor Bears. We're going to check in with Peter Pope from Our Daily Bears next here on the Bears Illustrated podcast. to the Bears Illustrated podcast, where we are glad to be joined by Peter Pope from our Daily Bears. What's up, man? How you doing?
0: Pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we're we're trying to network with all the Baylor people out there, and you know I, I know we're all doing the same thing. So I just want to have fun with this, and and you know get as many people involved, get as many different perspectives to the Baylor people as we can.
0: Absolutely. You know I I, I love the fact that there are more and more Baylor podcasts out there. Give, covering different perspectives, having different formats. I love it. It's it's great. The more the merrier. It, I'm I'm definitely a Big Ten person when it comes to Baylor
2: podcasting.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So what we were talking in our last segment, man, about the NIL, um, the recent news where on Thursday they were going to take it to Congress with the Big Ten, I mean, well, with the Pac-12 and the SEC commissioners. Uh, what are your thoughts on – where we're at right now regarding the NIL and what are some of the things, can we get this even back in the bottle remotely?
0: Uh, 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 um, That is a very good question. I don't know that we're going to be able to get it back in the bottle absent some sort of federal legislation. I mean, it seems like they really dropped the ball and I saw, um, was it, um, Bob Bulsbee earlier in the week was saying that they really regretted not coming out and having comprehensive regulation immediately once the once the Supreme Court opinion came out last summer, and then immediately dropping some sort of re- regulation to control NIL and sort of you know pre- prevent it from becoming what it's become. But I mean, I don't know that you can um, that you can put this one back in the bottle. It's it's. Out and it's going to take some significant something significant to make it work. It's interesting that the that the Big Ten it was Big Ten and Pac twelve is that right? Uh SEC and Pac twelve.
1: That's the weird uh, thing SEC because you, the the Big Ten and the, and the SEC are joined at the hip, but it's the Pac twelve in the move.
0: I know, right? But, but I mean, the fact that the SEC is involved in that, I mean, that says quite a bit to me. Um It's very interesting. I mean, since. You have the teams in the SEC who are kind of leading the charge, you know, with Texas A&M and their recruiting class. Um, I just don't, and I I am all for compensating players in a fair manner and getting them, you know, they, their efforts deserve to be compensated. I'm okay with that. Uh, This is not name and image and likeness at all. And it's, paying for recruits is basically it's just we have taken what was done under the table we've magnified it by 50 and we've turned it into okay we're gonna pay you for name and and likeness and it's just not that's not what it is but i mean it's it's where we are it's the wild west right now and i hope they figure out something
2: for it um but i don't know that they're going to be able to do that So, if Congress were to make some legislation, would you, do you think that it will, it'll be something that takes college football further towards turning into a free agency market, or do you think it'll take a step back?
0: That's a very good question. I don't, it would depend on what the legislation looks like, right? Because you could have, you could have something that, where it definitely turns into a more of a free agency market, but, I, I mean, I don't know. It, that's a really good question. Was They went today, right? Do we hear anything? Yeah, they him? went
2: today. They just met with Senator Blackburn and I think one of the yeah.
1: Okay, she, And she was not too pleased about Mark Emerton and what the NCAA have failed to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Because it's, I mean, it, what we've seen in what, the 10 months yeah. since the Supreme Court ruling happened and really – I mean if you think about it even even in just the last like 6 to 8 cuz it's really since like the lead up to National Signing Day and then and the aftermath through you know the winter and and now into spring um cuz I mean I think the biggest NIL deal thing we you know you had Quinn Ewers um with Ohio State in the fall but then <laughs> the most notable NIL story was the was the fullback from uh, from Kansas getting the Applebee's deal. <laughs> that after was hilarious. Beating, after beating Texas. Yeah, he deserved that, that one. That
2: man deserves every penny. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I and mean, that's that's a real NIL deal. Yes, that's it. That's the thing. Like, and
0: I saw Jeremiah Dickey retweeting something out of Boise where one of their players signed an NIL deal uh with a car dealership in Boise and got or Boise and got a car. That's NIL. Like right, that right. to me is Nil. And I love that aspect like getting local businesses involved and having like, you know, like some scrap metal place in Waco, you know, signing one of the, the defensive linemen or something to some sort of a deal to appear in local TV commercials like right. that. That's awesome. Like, I love that, the idea of that. Um, but that's not what it's being used for. So.
1: No, not at all. I, I, we Pernay and I were talking earlier, man. And I, the, the biggest issue right now is, is the tampering, right? And yeah. I feel like the only way <laughs> You can really, well, there, there's multiple ways to go about this, but I feel like whether it's Congress or Mark Emmert, but I was telling Pernay that I feel like Mark Emmert has an opportunity to go out here and kind of save his reputation by saying, if you are a team who is, that we can prove has tampered with a player active on somebody else's roster, then you should no longer be able to access the transfer portal for, for players. I mean, is that fair or am I being an extremist here?
0: I mean, that's interesting because where do you draw the line on that? I mean, I know right now they're technically not allowed to contact players, but there are like tremendous loopholes in like what contact actually consists of.
1: Well, I, I would say, like for one instance, right now, one one of the glaring, well, there's two really. If you look at the USC situation regarding the the pit receiver, and then uh-huh. you look at Texas, where they are openly say pursuing a three hundred, was it three hundred thousand, three million dollar deal for a player on Cincinnati's roster.
0: Unbelievable!
1: That is it's, that's I mean, what I'm talking about. Well, and and
0: because it's boosters. You have boosters involved you have players who are who are contacting other players like how do you how do you curtail all of that and get to the point where it's you know especially with the players contacting each other how do you prevent that when it's you know dude hit him up on in, in instagram dms and is and is passing messages along whereas you know they're gonna get clever about it and be like well oh i wasn't i wasn't guaranteeing him anything i was just talking about what 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 the possibilities were but what i've had or you know something like that like it it becomes i it becomes a a really sticky wicket to enforce i i'm i'm afraid that's the thing i just i (laughs) it (laughs) is an absurd knot that it becomes incredibly difficult to untangle, even less than a year after
2: it after Pandora's I, box has been opened. This stuff was not happening before. Yeah. Like, nothing close to this. There was stuff happening under the table, but now it's just – it's a free agent market. Um, yeah, I know. I, Go ahead. Sorry. So something I think I was thinking about is that even if this gets more and more like a professional league and turns out that whoever has the most money is going gonna, is gonna to get the players – I think that Baylor will be fine just because of the specific culture that Dave Aranda has set up. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on what would happen to Baylor? So I they don't have as much as much money as some of the other schools.
0: I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you in general. Um, for one, the market for the, pl- like the type of players that are going to be attracted, I think the market is going to shrink on them. Like this is the Wild West right now. And every, because everybody's like, oh, what we've been doing under the table for so long is now, now we can do above board. Let's throw all the money at it. And what happens when, you know, 75% of the Texas A&M recruiting class underperforms and all of the boosters that threw all of this, these millions of dollars at these kids don't get any return on their investment. What, like, are they going to continue to throw money at those? Maybe. I mean, maybe that happens, but maybe to a lesser degree. And so I think you'll see you'll see that kind of money being thrown at the top talent, but that it will settle in where there's still people. I mean, the college football marketplace for potential recruits is enormous. And so you're still going to have places for people, for schools like Baylor that have crafted a really unique culture. I guess you can't be really unique. It's just unique. Um, a unique culture that that is built on more than just um, more than than just paying players or, or you know being the flashiest school that it's about the program's culture, it's about person over player and how we've heard over and over and over again in the aftermath of the draft and everything else over the past few weeks uh, that, that that mantra is real. That's a that's an advantage, and I think it is something that you can carve out a niche as long as you have something in the NIL space to sort of keep you competitive, at least to an extent. I think that's something you can really take an advantage of. And it seems like recruits are still paying attention to that. At least that's what it seems like as we're going through this recruiting cycle for the 2023 class.
1: That is a unique aspect because Baylor is one of the play, the programs who can say we might not be able to to pay you and, and get you to compete financially or comfortably with some of these other schools right now, but what we can do is we can actually develop you yeah. and set you up to go into the NFL to have sustained longevity in the league where you can make more money in the end.
0: Is yeah. that fair? Absolutely. I mean, it, it it remains to be seen how I'm, I mean, I'm super excited to see how this draft class uh, performs because I feel like I've gotten my hopes up a lot with Baylor players in the past just, and, you know, think expecting really high things. And then, you know, they drop down, they, they, they get drafted lower than I expect them to. And then, you know, we, we don't have a huge presence of, contributing NFL players, I think, at this point. But I think that is growing. I think Aranda and um, what Grimes, Aranda, and, and, um, oh gosh, I almost said Phil Snow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ron (laughs) Um, Roberts.
0: Yes, thank you, Ron Roberts. Um, what What they're building and the way that they develop players is preparing them for the league. And it is to be as successful as possible, or at least put them in the position, be as successful as they possibly can be in the league and i love that and i can't wait to see what that um see the fruit that bears with the with the six guys that were that were drafted and then all the what was it 11 or 12 that total including the undrafted free agents i believe it was 11 yeah yeah so yeah, 11
2: <clears throat> so, um sorry yeah. <laughs> no i was just gonna say so we, we had the six guys drafted and probably the one with the highest expectations is jalen petrie um, but then there, there's also other really talented guys. Tyquan Thornton has a really high ceiling, I think. Terrell yeah. Bernard obviously was very productive in college. So, if there would if there was one guy who you would say could turn into a really successful NFL player and has the highest ceiling, who do you think will be the best player in the NFL? I mean, I think
0: that I, I'd put it on those first two guys as the uh, that you said is the probable highest percentage chance of making it. Either Jalen Petrie or Tyquan Thornton. And how cool is it that we get to he Jalen Petrie's returning home to Houston. Like that's cool. That's I'm key. not a yeah. I am not ai live just north of Houston, but I'm not a like Houston first. I'm I I grew up in Abilene, so I'm a Dallas sports fan. But I I watch the Texans and I cheer for them, so I'm absolutely going to be tuning in to see how he does. But I think it's Jalen Petrie or Tyquan Thornton.
1: Let, so they with all of the players they lost um, and then obviously you look at the quarterback situation with, with Blake Shapin winning the battle over Gary Bohannon, Bohannon's in the transfer portal. What are your expectations for this team? Like like we, we were talking the other day and we gave our regular season predictions for Baylor uh, when it's all said and done. I had the bears at eight and four. Um, I'm still concerned with being able to play on true road environments uh, last year, you had the benefit of most of your, well, hell, all of your uh, big important games essentially were at home. Now you yeah. flipped that this year. I, that's what makes me a little apprehensive. I hope I'm wrong. Obviously, you don't. You want to keep building on what you did last year, but when you look at the roster as a whole, you look at this schedule. What are what are your thoughts on the end of the regular season? What Baylor's record would be?
0: So, Gary, you said eight and four,
1: correct? And, yes.
0: And Prene, what did you say?
2: Nice. So like twelve did, and zero did, or something. When we did the episode, I said twelve. I said eleven and one. So then, but that was before Shapen got the job. So after Shapen got after Shapen got the job, I said throw out the loss to OU, twelve and zero.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I the first three, two or three years of the podcast of our daily podcast, I predicted undefeated seasons. and <laughs> we started in twenty thirteen. And lost one game, and so, I, and then the next year we lost one game, and so I was almost right, uh, you know. But I, I kind of backed off of that after that. But um, you know, this is this is the, and I I feel like I've said it on our daily podcast, was on between two bears with Evan um, last week, and said it there that like this is the first year that I can remember. Where I look at next season and my excitement about the next season isn't based on skill players at all. Right? Like, like we, we you know, it'd be like, oh, we've got Corey Coleman coming back, or we've got like Seastrunk Strunk coming back, or you know, our quarterback's going to be amazing. He's, you know, our quarterbacks are always good. Blah blah blah. Like, I'm like, nah. Like, who knows? I don't know who our, who's going to be our number one wide receiver. It might <laughs> be Armani Winfield, the true freshman. Who knows? Could be. Yeah, but, but. What I do know is that the offensive line and the defensive line are going to be elite, and (laughs) when that's the case, you're going to win a lot of football games. (laughs) So, um, I, Garrett, I agree with you. I share your concern about the schedule being it's the it's the even year, right? Right. years we have a very favorable schedule, and even years it's just brutal. and so I am in between the two of you, I think. Right now, I am about, I, I, without having, di- you know, dived into the other rosters in the Big 12 and looking at what everybody else is going to look like, I'm, I'm thinking 10 wins is about right. And we'll adjust expectations once we see a couple of games and see how they do. Um, what I do love is how we got that away win, excuse me, got that away win against Kansas state where it was like, okay, the next big challenge, you know, everything, every time we saw mistakes from the Baylor team last fall, they would correct them. And we would see progress over week over week on things that, that were problem spots away games was, was a problem spot. And then they, I mean, that was a slugfest of a game. Gary was injured in that game and shaping came in and he performed admir- admirably. His stats weren't spectacular, but he got the job done. And that's what mattered. <clears throat> and so I'd like to see that continue. And if it does, I mean, we have a our first road game this season is a huge test. And it's a game I'm really excited about in BYU. Uh, going to Provo, I I'm, I'm, may try and make that trip up. I don't know if I'll be able to get out there. but not a bad trip to take. Yeah. Yeah, it is not a bad trip <laughs> at all. I would love to see it. So... We'll see, um, but yeah, that's that's going to be one that's going to be a really tough test to start, but it'll give us a good idea early on in the season what our expectations should really be heading into conference play. Yeah,
2: um, that's probably the toughest game, in my opinion, on, on the schedule.
0: I think it's going to be a tougher game than Oklahoma. I think um, I, I, I agree. Oklahoma, I, like, I know everybody's <clears throat> excited about Oklahoma because they've got Brent Venables coming in, but when was the last time they had a defensive mind as their primary coach? Oh, man,
1: right. you got to go what? <laughs> S- would it be, would it be uh Switzer? I mean, was Switzer, was he, he's not necessarily a defensive minded guy cause he liked to run the ball at you. Yeah, but man, it's been a minute.
0: <laughs> it has been a long time and their defense has been the, the weak spot for years. And so, I just don't see that. I, like it, he'll he'll get there. He'll get him there. But it's not going to be a turnkey type of a situation. They're going to have to take a step to figure everything out, to learn his system, and and sort of get it installed before they're clicking on all firing on all cylinders.
1: They're also starting the season without a quarterback who's like, oh, this this dude's in the Heisman He's already. The Heisman. You know, well, I hate to see you behind the behind the ball on that one.
0: No kidding, no kidding. It's, it, I, they're going to be a really interesting team to watch. I, I have no idea how the, how what to expect with them this year. It's they could be all over the map.
1: What are your thoughts on the new Big Twelve? Um, and on top of that, what are your thoughts on Cincinnati, UCF, and um, what was it well, Houston looking at trying to join earlier rather than later?
0: What it, and that came out like last week, right? That they were talking about their uh, intending. I believe
1: yeah, either earlier this earlier this week or last week, correct. Yeah.
0: And they're intending on joining in twenty twenty three. Yeah. So basically the same time as, as BYU is said I, that they're coming in.
1: I think BYU, from what I saw on the report, it said BYU was gonna come in. I guess yeah, yeah. Cause that's yeah, twenty twenty
0: three. So I mean basically what we're talking about for all intents and purposes, this year being the 2022 season, and so they'll be in the conference next year, which is Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. (laughs) Do you like
1: it? it. Do you like the new look, Big 12? Like, what are your thoughts on the teams coming in?
0: I I like them. I do. I was... I was a pretty vocal and adamant uh, detractor from Houston being brought in, because... I don't think I was thinking of it from a recruiting perspective. Oh yeah, that we don't need another Power Five rival in state attacking us, you know, competing with us for recruits because elevating them to Big Twelve status basically instantly puts them in competition with Baylor.
2: On in the Gaia. biggest metro area in Texas.
0: In the biggest metro area in Texas, which is a you know a tremendous potential pipeline. Um, but I have to say that in the aftermath of it, I love the moves. I I know that there's no replacing Texas and Oklahoma. You're not going to go out and get you know Florida State and Clemson to leave the ACC and come join the Big Twelve or something like that. Like, and so I think they were the best available possible options. I love adding BYU. I think BYU instantly. Um, that, that's a really in. Uh, Instantaneous like prestige bump. Um, I Cincinnati after what they did this past season, like phenomenal. Uh, like and from a basketball perspective, all of them are really solid basketball schools. I I love the new look Big Twelve. Really interested to see how they sort of break it break it up. And um, and if Texas and Oklahoma are in the conference when they all join, I'm really hoping. Texas has to go like they have to go to UCF one week, then they have to go to fly, fly to Provo, <laughs> and then the next week they have to fly to Morgantown, and and then up to Cincinnati. Like you know, um, I think uh, Joe Goodman on the Bear Den podcast was saying that. I was like, Joe, I'm stealing that. I love that. That's hilarious.
1: That would be that would be miserable if you were <laughs> having to do
0: that, right? Right? That's so like, funny, man. Yeah. And I hope what? they and I hope they stick Houston in a in a conference with Texas. The Texas the was adamantly opposed to them joining. So oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah.
2: Last question I have for you. What do you make of Texas losing to Kansas and then having zero draft picks? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I
0: I have I'm 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 pretty well on record that my least favorite school of all schools is Texas. And especially after what happened, um, you know, just how they, how they responded in 2016 to everything that went down at Baylor and, like, how it was all about the, you know, they were all very concerned um, with the victims and everything until the moment that all of the guys got out of there. Letters of intent, and then it was which who can Texas grab? Who can Texas snatch? And they jumped and on that quick. Yeah, yeah, they really did. And so, I mean, just I'm, I just don't. I, I love to see Texas underperform. I, I think it's delightful. And every year, the expectations are tremendous, and they've already started. Like, I said, people putting them in their top five already, and I'm just like, you guys never learn. <laughs> it's a broken record man it, it, every it, year it is it's the it's that that like the ms paint aggie expectations hype train right it's the same thing for texas now like oh, and, but funny. even worse and i just oh, i love it and the fact that they didn't get a single player drafted like and they had their they had their you know their media team already and they're mm-hmm. like Follow us here and, and check out these different places to, 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 to you know, for all of the, dra- the Longhorn draft coverage. And it's like they had no draft coverage. <laughs> oh, you
1: that's know? brutal, man. That's so great. That is so brutal. great. Peter, man, we've had a blast, dude. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on to do this. Let everybody know where they can find your podcast and where they can find all of the your people and your team over there on social media.
0: Sure, OurDailyBears.com is the website. Our daily podcast is the podcast of our daily bears. Uh, you, you can find it at our daily bears on Twitter. Um, I'm at PB Pope on Twitter, and uh, yeah, I'm. That's pretty much my main. My those are my main hangouts. I I am. I mean, I have Instagram and, and others, but I don't I don't post anything there. So Absolutely. yeah, I do the same. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it, Twitter's easy. It's text. Texting is so much easier. Like nobody wants to see my face. I mean, come on, <laughs> that's funny.
1: Oh man, well we appreciate you coming on, man. We look forward to catching up with you in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, fun. gentlemen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I keep sorry, Pernay. I keep talking over you.
2: Oh no, it's it's all good. <laughs> no, we lo- we loved having you on. That was great.
0: Yeah, it's good good stuff. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. There he goes. That's Peter Pope from Our Daily Bears. And that's all the time we have today for the Bears Illustrated Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Catch you next time.
0: It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial
1: reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the
0: UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+.